You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. If we want to look more like Jesus, we need to look at the way that Jesus served. Jesus himself said that he had come not to be served, but to serve. Then he demonstrated that as he served those around him, even the ones that betrayed him and turned against him. How are we serving like Jesus? We look at that in this episode. For some of us, service comes naturally. We just automatically gravitate towards serving others around us. Some of us, it's because of the gifting that we have. Some of us, because that's the way our mom has raised us, and uh, that's just what we were taught to do. Others of us have to stretch to, to really serve other people. We might not always feel comfortable in that element. We might feel like um, we just don't always have the gifts that, that allow ourselves to, to really serve. Um, it doesn't always come naturally. I think when, whenever we think about service, we have to ask ourselves a question. And, and for me, it's, it's who do I struggle to serve? You know, it, there are some people that it's really easy to serve, and then there's others that, for me, I have to ask, you know, who, who is it that I struggle most to serve? And if we're honest with ourselves, I think we can, there are certain times that we can only serve under certain circumstances. And we, we serve when there's a return on or accolades for our service. Or we serve when, when we like somebody and we say, okay, well, they're a likable person. I'm going to serve them. Or we serve when they think that they des- we think that they deserve it. That, okay, well, they've earned uh, my service, and so therefore I'll serve them. Or, and I think this happens even more and more in our culture, um, we serve when, because we feel like we have to, um, because uh, the, the, the optics of service look good. And um, we want to look good in front of others. But when we think about that, um, and we think about what we've been looking at these last couple weeks, this idea of looking more and more like Jesus, none of those were the reasons why Jesus served. I mean, he didn't go and say, oh, you deserve it. You're worthy of this. Let me do this for you. He didn't say, well, I'm going to look good. I'm going to take a snap a selfie of myself and post it on Instagram or Facebook and, and let everybody see that I'm serving. That wasn't the way that Jesus served. And if we really want to be changed and this idea of Christ deformity and becoming shaped and transformed to look more and more like Jesus every day, then we need to ask ourselves, how did Jesus serve? The last couple weeks, we've looked at this idea of of Christ deformity and, and forgiving like Jesus forgave, advocating like Jesus advocated. And then today, looking at serving like Jesus served. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 10. In, in Mark chapter 10, and I said this last week, I think that, you know, the thing about the Gospels for me that gives me comfort is that uh, the, the, the subtitle of the Gospels could easily be uh, Adventures in Missing the Point for the Disciples because uh, they so often just miss it. And in Mark chapter 10, we see another instance of them kind of missing it. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, when you are on your throne, when you're in all your glory, we want to sit on the right and left of your throne. Well, 
how is that going to go as soon as word starts getting out among the other ten of what they said? And that's what we see. We see kind of the fallout of that. And then instead of, you know, this is the difference between Jesus and me and why I am in the process of Christ's deformity. Because instead of chastising them, Jesus uses it as a teaching point for them. And in Mark chapter 10 verses 42 through 45, we see what Jesus says. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Although Jesus was equal to the Father, he emptied himself of that. He, he put on flesh. He came to live among us and said, instead of living as a king, I'm living as a servant. And he demonstrated that in everything that he did. Jesus lowered himself to servant status. He got down on his knees and he made that distinction between what had become the norm for the disciples and everyone else around them. And Jesus points out in this passage in Mark chapter 10 that if you look around you, most people who have authority will take it and they'll lord it over you. Uh, I, we see this over and over. Sometimes we see it in our jobs, we see it in our schools, we see it in our world. That people have authority and instead of using it beneficially and in a generative way, they use it for their own selfish ambitions to gain something for themselves. Jesus turns everything upside down and says, that's not why I came. I didn't come so that I could abuse my authority. I came to show you a different way of using authority. Rulers and high officials, they exercise authority over them. And Jesus comes in and he shows them a different way. And it probably turns them all on their heads because of what they're expecting. What they're expecting to see. You know, I, I've seen this so often in my own life where people will scream for respect. You know, teachers, parents, police, government, whatever it is. And they've never earned the right to have that respect. They think that just their position alone is enough. Now, what would have happened had Jesus taken that same approach? His position alone should have been enough to give them authority. And instead of taking that and abusing it, he said, I'm going to get down. I'm going to get down on my knees and I'm going to serve the people around me. This idea of lording it over Mark as he writes this account he uses that greek word um lord which means to bring under one's power to subject oneself to subdue you know, none of those are necessarily good things this idea of forcefully wielding your power on somebody else and we never see jesus do that we always see jesus taking the posture of a servant that's why I think so many people are suspicious of Jesus and why so many to this day remain suspicious because he had the power and he didn't wield it over people. We're not used to that. You know, if we're honest, 
we're not used to seeing people who have power say, you know what, I'm going to serve you with this rather than abuse you with this. Jesus served, and he served with sacrifice. He didn't just give, he gave until it hurt, literally. Jesus gave all the way to the cross where he gave himself up for us. I wonder how often are we willing to serve to the point where it hurts? And some of us will will just serve to the point where it's like, "Ah, it's starting to get a little bit uncomfortable. I'm going to back off a little bit. But Jesus, the model he gave us wasn't to serve until you you start feeling a little uncomfortable. He said, go all the way and serve. And that's hard for us. For myself, I find like I'll give to the point of discomfort. And as soon as it starts feeling a little bit uncomfortable, I'll be like, oh, I need to back off. Like, I can't do that. But then I'm not supposed to look around me. I'm supposed to look at Jesus. I don't say, well, you know, compared to that guy over there, I'm I'm nailing it. I'm not going to have the party. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're called as ones who are pursuing this Christ deformity to become more and more like Jesus every day. We're saying, compared to Jesus, I'm still not nailing it. I'm still not giving myself until of myself until it hurts and we looked at Jesus's posture of forgiveness from the cross a few weeks ago as Jesus was nailed there looking at the very people who had put him up on the cross he didn't say hey God let the lightning bolts father bring the lightning bolts down and knock them all out no what did Jesus say he said father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing and I admit it, like that's probably not my first inclination if I'm hanging on a cross put there by all the people sitting in front of me. And Jesus did just that. And in that crucial moment, Jesus had spoken of forgiveness over and over again. And now he was actually demonstrating it. And we see that same thing with Jesus, even in regards to serving. You know, in Mark 10, yes, he he looked at the disciples. He reminded them it's not about being elevated, but it's about serving. And then in John chapter 13, we see another picture of Jesus taking the words that he's taught and actually showing how he can live them out. You can turn over to John 13. It'll be up on the screen as well. John writes this, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? I mean, thanks, Captain Obvious, right? I mean, Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. 
And Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus didn't come for those who thought who, who were worthy. Because if we're really honest, none of us are. Well, that's why we need Jesus. Those true repentance is acknowledging our own limitations. It's acknowledging our sin. It's acknowledging our need for a Savior that we can't get there on our own. And Jesus models that for us. We need someone outside of ourselves that can provide that way that we could never provide on our own. And in our realization that we're unworthy of being served by Jesus, I wonder if we understand God's grace. You know, again, Peter, good old Peter, misses the point here. You know, hey, Jesus, he sees Jesus with a basin. Hey, are you going to wash my feet? He's done that for everyone else, Peter. What do you think I'm going to do? But no, Jesus takes the sarcasm. He doesn't do that, right? And he says, hey, yes. And Peter says, well, no, you'll never wash me. Jesus says, if I don't wash you, then you have no part of me. And then how does Peter respond? He doesn't say, okay, Lord, go ahead. He, he keeps going. All right, well, then not just my feet, then my hands and my head. Just give me a bath, Lord. And Jesus says, no, you're missing the point. This is an act of grace to remind you that if you're not washed by me, then you are not clean. It's only when Jesus washes us that we can come before him worthy. That's precisely the point of this action. He's not doing this because we're worthy. He's doing this to make us worthy. Jesus doesn't give what he gives to us because we've somehow earned it or we're somehow worthy of it. He gives it to us so that we might be worthy. And we receive what he gives. Jesus said back in that passage in Mark that, that he came not to be served but to serve. And he demonstrates that for the disciples washing their feet. And imagine that scene they're all eating. You know, there's, I've said this before that so many times there have been scriptures that I've read countless times. And then I, I read it and somehow or another the Holy Spirit just kind of hits me with it. And I'm like, how did I miss this the first hundred times that I read this? And this is another case because they don't even finish eating. While they're still eating, Jesus stops. He gets up. He actually shows and puts on garments that make him look like a servant. You know, that idea of wrapping a towel around you, you know, somebody who is high up in authority isn't going to take that posture. But that's exactly what Jesus did. And while they're still eating, instead of, now, it's probably a lower table anyway. The tables back then weren't like our tables. They're all reclining, but Jesus is there at their feet, even the feet of Judas, the one who had given him up to the authority. 
Jesus didn't say, like, he's going through all the disciples, you and you and you, and then stop at Judas and be like, yeah, I'm going to move on. He continued to wash the feet even of the one who had given him up. And he takes the basin and the towel and he washes them. And he tells them unless he washes us, we have no part in him. And, and there are many people today who talk about the exclusivity of Jesus. And Jesus shows that for us here in this moment. He's saying, I, I am the one. And unless I'm the one who washes you, then you can't be part of me. And it sounds exclusive, and it is, but, but that's what he says. And I think about this idea of washing, you know, in, in Christian circles within the church, this idea of being washed. When I was a kid, there was a song uh, that I used to sing, Are You Washed in the Blood? And you, know, you imagine somebody walking in off the street and, and hearing a song like that, and they'd be like, these guys are weird. They're talking about washing in blood. Is this a cult that I'm part of? But really, what they're talking about is the truth of the fact that Jesus' blood is what needs to wash over us in order that we might be worthy. And Jesus moves to the second part of this lesson moving past the point where he says hey unless I wash you you can't be part of me and he says hey you call me teacher you call me Lord but you may need to put the term the, the word servant in front of all of this call me servant teacher call me servant Lord because that's what I am for you I'm not going to do what others around what, what Caesar does what all these others are doing I'm going to actually give myself up. And then Jesus says, go and do likewise. He models this posture for them. Jesus shows how to take authority and vulnerability together. Last week, I, I put a graph up on the screen uh, where, where you have one axis is authority, one is vulnerability. And Jesus firmly plants himself in this quadrant here. This quadrant of flourishing because he puts together this idea of taking all of his authority and all of his vulnerability and being a Lord and a servant at the same time. And being a teacher and a servant all at the same time. We don't see that very often in our culture. We don't see people doing that in our culture and yet Jesus firmly plants himself there, embracing his authority, the teacher and the Lord, and his vulnerability, the servant, together. And he calls us to do likewise. He says, don't use your authority, don't use your power to lord it over people. And honestly, like, without getting into a, a big, huge debate or anything else, this frustrates me beyond belief that people within the church miss this all the time. We think that somehow, if we can have authority and we can have power, we can somehow gain the high ground, like, you know, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan fighting in, in, in Star Wars, right? No, it's not going to happen. Jesus tells us, don't even try to do that. But it doesn't stop us from trying to find the authority and the power. And Jesus tells us, that's not the way it's going to work. 
The way that it's going to work is if you become servant to all. If you get down and take a posture of in a position of servanthood. And Jesus, he washes the feet of all the disciples. Peter, who denied him three times. Judas, who gave him, gave him up. All of them. And I think it makes, it invites those questions again of when we serve, we have to ask ourselves how we're serving. You know, what happens when we're serving and the return doesn't look like we thought it would look like? What, what if we don't get back? What if we gave with this expectation that, well, somehow or other they're going to take what we've given and, and they're going to do something beneficial with it? What if they don't? What if we don't like who we're serving? Look, let's be honest. Like, we're not besties with everybody. And we don't want to serve some people. Some people, hey, look, some of you might not want to serve me. That's fine. But Jesus tells us otherwise. He says, we have to serve. What if we don't think they deserve it? And man, you know, if I'm honest, out of all three of those questions... That's probably the one that I struggle with the most. I mean, look. And, and over and over again, I just have to look in the mirror and say, do you deserve it? And yet somehow or another, I can put myself in a position of Lord and Master or Teacher and forget about the servant part. Forget about how Jesus postures himself. These questions can be the basis and the foundation for serving, and they're, they're really not the same basis that Jesus used. Because we're called to serve even when the return isn't there. We're called to serve even when we don't like the one we're serving. And we're called to serve even when the one we're serving doesn't deserve it. Jesus' example isn't just an attitude, it's a posture and a circumstance. I think sometimes within the church we can be really good about assenting of ideas, but then letting those ideas translate into actually getting down on our hands and knees and serving someone is a challenge for us. That we miss that. Now hear what I'm saying, but also hear what I'm not saying here. I'm not saying that we so recklessly serve without using discernment in, in service. I think there are some people who put themselves into dangerous positions when they serve. And we just have to ask God for discernment in that. Lean into it and say, hey, am I really called to do this? I'm not saying that it's always safe. But, I mean, we, we can hear countless stories of people who have served, again, to the point of, of discomfort and pain and even, even to the point of death, missionaries and others who have done that. But we've got to use discernment in our service and say, God, is this what you're calling me to? I don't think we just recklessly run into those things. And we say, Holy Spirit, lead me into the places and to the people that you're calling me to, to serve. Because when we serve in the way that Jesus serves, then we show people Jesus. 
people see Jesus in us, especially because that's not the way that most people do it. And so what do we do with all this? A couple questions to ask ourselves. The first one is this. Are we serving to the point of discomfort? Do we serve till it hurts? How much does it cost us to serve? One of my favorite stories in the Bible, if we go back to the Old Testament in 2 Samuel, David wants to sacrifice to the Lord and he approaches this landowner and he wants this space of property and the, this guy's ready to just give it to David. I mean, after all, he's the king and David says, no, I will not give anything to the Lord that has cost me nothing. And that's our posture. That's the posture we need to take to say, are we willing to give even to the point of discomfort? And I'm not just talking financial. I'm talking of all of our resources, our time and our talents and our treasures and all of those things. Are we willing to give to the point that it hurts? Are we willing to give to the point and say, you know, I don't know how this is going to work, but God, I know you do. And I'm going to give even when it's uncomfortable. Second question is, are we empathetic in our serving? And again, this is one that I've had to grow a ton in. To ask myself, do I, do I understand that the person I'm serving could easily be me? That but for a few privileges and other things that maybe I could one day be in this position. I could be the one waiting for someone to see me. Am I empathetic in how I serve the people? And then finally, what's our motive and posture? How do we answer those three questions about deserving, about liking the people, about the return? I think, I think it's human nature that we're going to ask those. I'm not saying, hey, just stop asking them, but I'm saying don't let those drive our motivation and our posture for service. Because that's not what Jesus did. He didn't look at every single person he healed, every person that he gave to, every person that he served and said, well, you know, you don't really deserve this. I don't really like you. You're not going to do anything for my social status, so I'm not going to do this for you. Are we giving? Are we serving like Jesus? That's what he calls us to. And he just called us, not in word, but he, he demonstrated that for us. Even serving the ones who had hurt him, who had given up. That's what Jesus calls us to. Let me pray. God, I'm not good at this. There are some people it's so easy for me to serve. There are some circumstances where it's so easy for me to do this, and then others where, man, it's a stretch. I need you. We need you. The only way that we can serve outside of ourselves, the only way that we can serve to the point of discomfort is when you give us the power, when you give us the strength that we need. So, Father, would you give us that strength? Would you give us that power? Would you help us in this? That we might know that what we're doing is completely and totally out of our own power. 
that God, we start looking and saying, the only way that I could have done that was because it was Christ in me. So, Father, may we see Christ in us more and more every day. May we, may we look more and more like Jesus. Show us what that looks like. And, Father, may we encourage one another in that. That's why we need each other in community, in accountability, so that we can help each other, lift each other up, and spur one another on to these things that you've called us to. Thank you, God, for your grace, for your patience, for your kindness to us. May we look more and more like you. Serving like Jesus served looks odd to the world around us. It doesn't make sense to serve without receiving a reward, to serve when you don't always care for who you're serving, and to serve when we don't think someone deserves it. Jesus didn't put those barriers up, should we? Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. See you next time.